Player 2, this is Player 1, plugging in. Player 1 is initiating connection. Player 1 is online. Player 1, this is Player 2, plugging in. Player 2 is initiating connection. Player 2 is online. All players have successfully connected. You are now plugged into the Plug and Play podcast. Initiating startup sequence. episode 57 of the plug and play podcast i'm your host zach and alongside me as always is tim Welcome, minions. and we just got back from basically a week worth of packs five days of packs exactly um and so as per usual this is our yearly packs wrap-up but unlike last year where you guys said that the episodes were way too long at two hours um we're breaking this up into two episodes for the so this is Part one of our PAX Prime Special Edition, um, episode 58, will be the conclusion of PAX Prime Special Edition um, for 2015. So, we have a lot to cover this episode, guys. We saw a lot of stuff this year, um, but let's not dilly-dally any further. Yes. So. Get to it. Tim. Yes. Favorite PAX memory? Um, I'm going to cheat a little bit and say both times we were at the still bar. Um, okay. The first time the Hob developers came in, and we got to talk to them a little bit um, after our interview, which was awesome. Yeah. And the second time um, we went there after the um, documentary "Thank You for Playing," which was a documentary about the making of the game "That Dragon Cancer," and the f- let that hold up, hold up. Whoa, whoa. Me and you, me and you must be like on the same brainwave because let me just uh, let me just jump in really quick. Mm-hmm. And uh, my favorite PAX memory is actually hanging out with that Dragon Cancer and playing it. Um, and I have a little audio clip. Okay. We started this project in the hope that we would document a miracle. Our son was fighting brain cancer the horribly aggressive kind, and it had come back many times, and it had been beaten back many times, and many times we had been told his death was imminent, but he was still alive. (laughs) You see, we could have crafted this adventure game in which players would experience the trauma and the treatment that he had faced, and how he had overcome them all, and it would be our miracle because we needed it, desperately. We needed treatment to work and we needed our prayers to work and for our son to live, our son Joel. And so we went about building our game, an altar of polygons and passion, a sacrifice of our savings to share our story. And players connected with our game and we shared tears and traded the stories of our lives and it seemed that the world would see love and life and faith and healing in a video game. 
What happens when the stories we want to write are replaced with the stories written onto us? When the parable chronicles our pain rather than our triumph? And when the sky feels emptier and our hearts swell laden with longing and loss? What happens when the dragon scorches the earth? How do we find each other in the smoke? You know, often when people first hear about our game, their question is, how is this a video game? It definitely can feel a little bit too depressing, like it's too heavy of a topic to fit into that category of game. Certainly it's not a traditional game. So, that is uh, just a little bit of a teaser of that Dragon Cancer. I'm not going to roll the whole... That's a, that's a great introduction to the game, though, actually. Um, I think it sums it up pretty well, the whole scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, so... This team is incredibly sensitive, and um, they have a really, really great vision for what they wanted to do with their game. And as you heard, it's based on a real situation, but it's not—it's uncharted territory for video games. There's nothing like this before. Um, and getting to see the documentary and what they went through, and then to talk to them afterward was an amazing, amazing opportunity. Um, it was very inspirational. Um, so it was not, it just sort of happened. We had other plans after the movie, but um, to, to pass up an opportunity like that, would you just don't do that. Um, hanging out with the crew, and they're, they're all awesome guys. They all have families, and um, just getting to, to know them a little bit and the challenges they went through, and the game's almost done, and, and I've been watching it for the last uh, three, well, if you count, yeah, so this will be the third PAX I've been watching the development of this game. And it's changed a lot as life events happened. And um, the film really kind of crystallized it and put it all together. And like I said, just sitting down and talking to him after watching the film, after seeing the development go on, um, was just an amazing opportunity. And that was definitely my favorite PAX memory. Yeah, that was uh, hanging out with them. Um seeing the documentary, and then actually going and playing the game for the first time. Um, That's right. You hadn't played it before. I hadn't played it before. Those weren't my favorite part. Um, the actual father of the of Joel, who is the child who passed away, his name is Ryan Green. And uh, after I got done playing it, I was, uh, I'll admit, I was pretty emotional um, and in a pretty fragile state because, I mean, you've played it multiple times. Mm-hmm. and. Um, it really it it um pretty close for me. Um, I've known and actually have a family member whose son died of the basically the same thing, except for all the tumors are in his brain, um, and not out throughout his whole entire body. And uh, I've had a lot of death surrounding me throughout my whole entire life. And uh, basically, you know, I've pretty much lost everybody around me um, that uh, raised me now, and. Uh, Ryan was, he's a great guy, and we stood off to his side and went off to his side, and we sat there and chatted for like an hour or so, and uh, he's he's an inspirational man. Um, he's very thoughtful. And he's, yeah, he's a very thoughtful man. He's very inspirational, um, and it, it was good just to pick his ear and then hear his story and how he's dealt with stuff, um, and then he was caring enough to ask about my story and listen to me tell my story. And, uh, you know, so we had a good time and that probably, uh, if I had to erase all of PAX and only got to choose one thing, 
hanging out with Ryan Green probably would have been the thing I would have chose to do. Which is a but I never would have done it no. without Tim. No, I pushed him to see this documentary because you know, looking at it on paper, it looks like a really depressing way to spend your evening going to watch you know, a movie about a game about cancer. And you know, on some level, it is depressing, but it's also hugely inspirational. So, yeah. when this game comes out, listeners, I know there'll be a barrier to play it, but I really challenge you to get it on Steam and really challenge yourself to deal with a topic that we we never want to talk about, not just cancer, but death and mortality. Um, I don't know. It, it goes places games haven't gone before. I think it's really important. And it's really been an honor to see a part of how this got made. You know, I'm, je- I'm jealous th- of your conversation, by the way, because I wasn't there uh, with you when you played the game and afterwards. But I'm kind of glad yeah. I wasn't either, so you could probably be more open with him. You, you might have well, been embarrassed or whatever. I was there. Yeah, I mean, I did punch you in the arm at the you show. Did. So, you you're, did. You're a dick. So, um, so listeners, I but, bet you didn't get. <laughs> I bet you didn't guess we were going that way. Yeah, yeah. Ha, let's let's but, do a runner-up favorite memory because I know a happy memory that I think we can both agree on. Okay, but but before we move on from this topic, I I want to say one last thing about that dragon cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was it was weird, but um, the gentleman who was playing the game before me, I was I was talking to um, I can't remember his name. I think his name is David. The the gentleman who was in the video talking to Joel before he passed away, and he's making him laugh. Uh, the guy that we spoke with, uh, the lead de- one of the lead developers. I think his name is David. I totally know who you're talking about, and I can't remember his name unfortunately. Okay, I, but I at least you know who I'm talking about. Um, the gentleman who was, I was hanging out with him and a bunch of the other guys that were there, and uh, there was, you know, uh, Ryan was off talking with another person, and it was the six of us sitting there chatting before it was my turn to play. And the the this gentleman gets up and he just got done playing the game, and he uh, he asked him, he said, "Why why doesn't your characters have any faces?" Mm-hmm. Um, and they said, "Because you should be able to feel the emotional you." Sh- this is a this is a feel story. This isn't uh you don't you don't need to see it on their face to feel the emotion. And and he understood it and he agreed. Um but it was weird. Um after watching that documentary, uh when I was playing the game, I was seeing their faces and I was seeing Joel's face because I knew what he looked like and I could I could see his face laughing, um and I could see Ryan's face in depression throughout the game. And uh it it was strange. So when I got up, I said, you know, that gentleman said that he, you know, couldn't see the face, but he could feel the emotion. And it's weird. I can put a face onto that emotion, and and I I can see him interacting in a way, and uh, it doesn't look blocky to me at this point. I I see a human in there, and uh, they said, yeah, there's there's a lot of people that once they know Ryan and they come back to play, they can see Ryan as the father, but not many people get to see Joel, and. So that's uh it's a weird weird way of looking at these things is uh once you know who it's supposed to be or once you know somebody you it could be anywhere in the world if you face this you could see yourself in this game. Um and it brings a whole new life to the to the game itself. So I think it's Josh Larson. Oh, Josh Larson, that is correct. Uh sorry, I was looking up that while you were talking. That's fine. Um, but let, let's make this happy again because we didn't... Uh, I bet bet everybody else didn't realize that we were going to go morbid and... Yes, not not really morbid, morbid, but depressing. Thoughtful. Depressing. Thoughtful. Yes. Wow. That it too. was inspirational. Trust me. It was. It. You know, we're talking about it, and yes, we're talking about death and the death of a five-year-old child, but uh, it was... 
the way that they've done it is so inspirational. Um, they are so, so I le- sensitive. I left the booth. Yeah, I left the booth after d- I was done talking to Ryan, feeling better than I had felt going into it. Um, did, so did you process things that you don't let yourself process. Yeah, exactly. It's a great conversation starter. It's a very important game. It is. So check out that Dragon Cancer, guys. We're gonna be talking about it more, and I will be playing it for sure when it comes out. Um, but. What is your follow-up uh, favorite PAX memory since we both chose that same one? I think if once I say it, it'll probably be your your, your runner-up as well. Um, okay. The uh, Telltale panel where we played through the entirety of Episode 4 of Tales from Borderlands. That was a, Oh, that was That fun. was an experience. Um, that was an experience. So the, the crowd got to choose the actions, although I think he kind of chose a couple times. He did. Um, but the uh, panel was like, like some of the... Program programmers. Two of the it was two of the voice yes, actors, the, Scooter, and uh, the lead female at, actor. I can't remember her name right this second. Um, and then the lead story slash or lead story designer, and I believe the lead developer. So yeah, it was a really cool panel um, to be seeing that with. And then let's just say that the voice actors they chose to be there meshed really well with what happened that episode exactly so that was cool really good energy that was cool it that's that's probably not mine oh interesting okay what's your what's your runner-up my runner-up is another telltale games that is not released Uh so we went had the pleasure and on episode 58 of the podcast you guys will have an interview from them um but we got to see telltale games minecraft story mode and we got to play a little bit of it and just to give you a taste here's the trailer i have just a thing for you you're giving me a sword even better you can make your own this what we were expecting? I want to steal that and that. Just leave it. There might be even more going on here than we thought. I don't think you realize what you've done! Everyone's running away, except for you. Our gang sticks together. That's what we do. It's in your hands now! Zach loves Minecraft. But, dude, that trailer. <laughs> that's not like regular Minecraft. I know, I know, but he, I, I can't. I hate that they chose Minecraft. I love that you love any kind of Minecraft. So much trash you've talked about it. I still talk trash about regular Minecraft. Minecraft without story mode sucks. <laughs> story mode sounds amazing. Yeah, well, it's tell, it was telltale. Telltale. 
Somehow, my finger is swelling. Oh, this is your final episode of Plug and Play Podcast. Zach strokes out, unfortunately. It's tragic. Yep. Did you get stung or something? No, I have a cut on my finger, and it's swelling really bad at the tip of my finger all of a sudden. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> let's get to games we saw. Okay, let's do this. All right, guys. So, PAX officially started on Friday. Go, Tim. So, we got to uh, kind of get in early uh, with our press badges, which was awesome. And our way up... Because we were like, press, and we like walked up, and we were like, beep, press, and they are like, go on up, Susan. So, like, before we even got to the expo floor, we got to jump in on an insanely long demo later, which was uh, Zelda Triforce Heroes. Holy crap, that line was three and a half hours all day, every day. But we just walked right up. It was awesome. Um, it was actually before the 9 o'clock. It was like 8.45, so it was yep. double win. Um, this is a game that wasn't really on our radar very much when we heard about it at E3, but it sort of looked like... I may or may not have made fun of it on my E3 coverage, Yeah, um, and I'm eating my words. It looked like another kind of um, Zelda Four Swords, Four Swords, but it's not. I mean, it is a cooperative Zelda game, but there's a lot of different play mechanics than in Zelda Four Swords, which we actually played on the train ride up, so we had a, a pretty fresh comparison. Yeah. Um, it's up to three players, um, Triforce, you know, three. Um, and you need those three players because there'll be enemies that are, like, tall, and you have to jump on each other's backs to uh, shoot the eyeball at the top or whatever. Or there'll be other puzzle elements where you'll need to all work together. Or you'll need your partner just to pick you up and throw you off the map. Yeah, which is fun. It's fun to throw, yep. throw your partner for sure. Although it takes away from all your hearts, because your all your heart system is all of yours combined. And you get to choose different um, uh, suits, which gives you different powers. Like I chose the cookery suit, which gave me um, uh, multiple arrows instead of just one arrow at a time. And I chose the master suit or the samurai suit or master suit or something like that, which gave me extra strength um, for hitting with my sword. And there was at least one other one, um, and of course there was there was five other suits. Right. Think. Sounds right. Yeah. Um, but it looks good. Um, yep. Played great. It was fun. Yeah. I'm now looking forward to it, where I wasn't really looking forward to it before. Um, now I'm looking forward so to it. So that was awesome. Then we got inside and actually got to play the, you know. For Honor. Yes. For Honor. I'll let you take that one because you were so stoked about this one. I- Dude, For Honor is a game that I'd never even heard of and like completely underneath the radar for me and by far was one of my favorite hands-on at PAX. So For Honor is a knights game. Now, if you think of knights, you think of swords, and you think of battles, and you are correct, and you think of capturing a person's castle, and you are more correct. So what For Honor is, is there's like a, like a diamond on your screen, and you press up on the right pad to do an up guard, right to do a right guard, left to do a left guard, and down to do a bottom guard. And what this is, is there are, I think, five of you on a team, and you're trying to capture points in this other person's castle or in your castle. I'm not sure if you're defending your castle or raiding somebody else's castle. I think it depends on which team you're on. Um, I think we were defending our castle, Tim and I, with these other two ladies that were there with us. Um, And... What it is, is it's a parry system. So if they go for a right hit, also depending on what side that what side you're guarding on is the side that you're going to swing with and you're going to try to hit them on. So if you're doing a right guard and they do a left guard, it hits you. But now if you do a right guard and they're right guarding, it hits them. So you have to switch it around. 
There's a light hit that just hits them at all times. Or, eh, no, actually, it parries them. It's a quicker hit. Or you can do a powerful hit and hold uh, down the R2 button, I think it is. Um, and it was a lot of fun. There's so, also a bash if they're just guarding all the time. You can bash them and get in a quick hit while yep. they stagger back. Exactly. So, And there's amazing executions. But the good thing about this game is when you're doing execution, if another player comes and interferes, you're screwed and you're completely vulnerable. I had like barely no health, but you regain health when you do an execution. So I was going for an execution. I would have just finished the guy with a quick hit, but I needed my health back. So I was going to go for an execution. Well, another player came up and hit me with a light hit and killed me as I was executing the other guy. So, um, I mean, the other player died too, but I also died in the act of it. Um... And it, it was a lot of fun. So just think of waves and waves of these random people attacking. And you have waves and waves of your soldiers attacking. But there's like fall, five elite soldiers on their team. And you're five elite soldiers on your team. And you're just going head to head trying to take over points. Um, it's by far probably one of the f- my most fun games that I played at PAX. Dude, I had heard of it before. I don't know if you had. No, I'd never heard of it before. I was like, for honor, this looks like it's going to be crap. But it was amazing. And another good thing that we chose, because the lines were huge for that later, too. Yeah. So I um, went and got in. There was actually still a line, even though it was press only, um, for the Morpheus demo. And um, even as I was in line, they were trying to make me sign up for some app to do an appointment later. And I'm like, no. I've already got tons of appointments, and I'm not signing up for some app where I don't have any internet coverage. Which it was hilarious. It was a mess. They had a really crazy system for setting up um, a way to see the the Morpheus. But I got in, and there was about four different demos, I believe. I, but just by luck of the draw, got London Heist. Um, so it was strapping the Morpheus on, and then headphones, and then with all the other nerd germs on it. Yes, and then holding, um, as Zach likes to call them, the two PlayStation dongs. Yep. Um, one in each hand. And then um, in the game, you're basically the passenger, um, and it's British, so you're sitting on the left side. So it's where the driver would be in, for America. So that was a little off-putting. Um, but it's London Heist. So anyway, you're sitting in that seat, and there's this um, guy with a Cockney accent, like t- this gangster talking to you as he's driving. And then um, other cars start attacking you and shooting you. And then one of the first things you have to do is um, help him punch out the window, which is pretty fun. So you, you know, move the <coughs> move controller forward and punch the window. Um, what was really cool was um, opening the door and looking back. Um, that was a really interesting movement. The head tracking was great. Hmm. The move tracking was okay. Um, it wasn't fantastic. Um, like, my hands would rotate a little bit different than what I thought they should. What you thought? And... Basically, your hands, you can do any, you can interact with stuff on the dash. I opened up the glove box and grabbed a Coke can and threw it across the car. Stupid stuff like that. But then when the, the motorcycles and cars started attacking, um, he gave me a gun. And then the duffel bag next to me had ammo clips. So with one hand, you'd hold the gun. And the other one, you'd be lead, loading clips into it. Um, and that was um, fun. It didn't seem super accurate to me when I was shooting. Um, huh. That's lame. And it was super generous, too, with loading the clips. If you just got your hand kind of near to the gun, the clips would just kind of slam in there. Really? <laughs> yeah, it was pretty forgiving. 
Um, so it was fun. It was, I was seated. That's one important thing to note about this demo is I was seated the whole time. Um, so I'm not sure what kind of experience will be available for the Morpheus. Will you be seated all the time, not moving around in the environment? I just bring that up to contrast with another experience that I'll talk about next week. So then we both went to Kingston, and we got to hear a bit about the uh, Cloud 2 headset. Yeah, so we have a little bit of audio clip here, guys, from the showroom floor. So uh, that's the reason why there's so much audio in the background. So the Cloud 2, okay. similar to the Cloud, except it has 100% memory foam on the headband as well, and it has the, the dongle, so that's the USB sound card and the dongle. 7.1 virtual surround sound, oh, nice. and then uh, separate, that you can toggle on and off, which is good. Okay. And then also separate controls for the mic and your volume. Okay. So the good thing about that, too, is unplug the dongle and you still get the 53mm jack to put in your phone or awesome. your laptop or what have you. More than just gaming. Then. Yeah, yeah. I have some people who say they use it um, in the morning when they wake up. They like just in bed on like a Sunday. He said he just watches movies, so he puts it on the headset. Yeah. That way he doesn't wake up his wife. Like that's next awesome. Home. So I'm like, hey, that's cool. As long as you get, yeah, get uses out of it. Yeah. And then yeah, it comes in three colors. So it's the red, gunmetal, and the pink. Okay. So that's similar to this one where it's the black with the, the gunmetal, and then on the red, it's red stitching with red aluminum, and then the other one is white with pink stitching, okay. and then something, I'm surprised actually how many guys are actually really interested in that one. The white just, pink one? Yeah, because they're like, it's something different, everyone has like a black She was looking at me when she said that. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's okay, I got a buddy that's uh, over in Trinidad, we're gonna send no, that one over there. Gunmetal's just fine. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, no, no, I whatever. myself don't care for the pink that's a little too girly for me, but some guys are like, no, because it's cleaner, and yeah. it's not, it's like your headset is going to stand out from like someone with right. another black well, headset. You'll know which one it is in the Yeah, file. exactly. I was going to say, yeah, especially if you're going to a lot of these where it's like bring your own PC and then yeah. you're like, hey, mine's the white pink one, so get Like no off. one's going to try to claim that one. Yeah. But I mean, that's really, we're, our main focus here is just to talk about, oh, oh no, so we have our Cloud Core. So overall, HyperX works on a good, better, best. So huh? our uh, DRAM, our USBs, our SSDs, we have the starter, then the middle, and then the top. Savage. Like good, better, best. Yeah. So kind of the same thing with our headsets now. So we have Cloud, we now have Cloud 2, and then we developed Cloud 4 for our emerging market, okay. but we actually were able to get it into GameStop. So it's exclusively available at GameStop for $69.99, and that headset is the cloud-based, but you don't get all the fancy accessories, you don't get the pouch, you don't get the interchangeable ear cups. Okay. Still the leatherette ear cups, still the great sound and the great frame and everything, yeah. but that way without the accessories, it keeps it at that low cost. The lower price. Yeah, so that's okay. the... That's the good, then you get the better, and then the best with the Cloud 2 so far. So okay. That's, now, where, that's what we're talking. Are hawking. they for consoles, or no? They are. Well, well they're basically... The, it's just a headphone jack that work with PS4, right? Yeah, they're that's true, PC. Yeah. They're okay. PC gaming headsets, but they, they do work for consoles. So okay. PS4 and then Xbox with the adapter. Okay, cool. The only thing, though, is like if you are strictly a console gamer, I wouldn't suggest the Cloud 2 because you're not going to get the 7.1 because that's USB. Yeah. And that's where all the power is coming from. So, yeah. But they do, they are a compatible My console. My PC gamer, he's console, so I'm Yeah. Wondering. I'm trying to get into PC. He, yeah. Yeah. We're working on that. So, so yeah, we're working on that. Um, yeah. I've, I've got a little bit more PC gaming in under my belt, but I still need to uh, master, for example, the keyboard and mouse. Anyway. Enough about me. But yeah, so that was uh, that was a Cloud 2. We also talked to Kingston about their uh, Savage SSD, um, their Savage DDR3 and 4 RAM, um, and there was something else too. I can't remember though. 
Uh, yes, we had yeah. to cut that audio short because the booth behind us started yelling really loud. Yeah, they started getting really loud, and that's the reason why it's kind of crackly because they were starting to get pre-hyped up over there. Um, as you guys will tell through the rest of our audio clips, it is a loud place. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. But Kingston was awesome. They let us check some stuff out. Um, they get, gave us a little bit of hands-on with it. And, uh, yeah, so there will be more from Kingston, hopefully, in the near future on the Plug and Play podcast. Just stay tuned. Um, but after that, uh, I went over to the Indie Mega booth and interviewed the gentlemen from Stonehearth and Rising Thunder. And uh, I'm going to let them explain what the game is. It's actually, they're pretty cool. So here we go. We're actually in the Indie Mega booth right now. Yes. Um, and then why don't you tell us what games we're going to be looking at and you're going to be walking us through. Yeah, uh, so I'm going to show you two games. The first game is Stoneheart, okay. um, which is a game we kickstarted back in 2013. It's kind of a um, sandbox simulation town building game uh-huh. where you get to sort of build up your town um, and uh, do things like figure out how you're going to get food, how you're going to defend yourself from invaders. Um, and it's just kind of a really 16-bit aesthetic sort of harkening back to the Super Nintendo days Um, and so like I said we kickstarted this in in 2013 Um, did pretty well um, with really just kind of a functional prototype so it was really super early for us Um, but thanks to the Kickstarter we we were able to go from like two people to six people oh wow and so from there it's just sort of steady progress yeah Um, you know two years later we have a game that is almost done we think we have about a year left okay Um, and we've been um, been pretty um, I guess open with the way we develop so we actually stream our development three times a week on Twitch oh wow yeah we're like that's, whatever we're doing that's really open actually yeah well we find that like when we're open with people and just honest like even when we have problems like they like knowing what's going on yeah right? and it's like game development sometimes is hard now it's changing between nighttime and daytime right now yeah 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 so the thing about this is we're really hardcore into simulation okay that's sort of the appeal so like we have like um, a pretty good um, water model so we have decent water physics there's a day night cycle okay um, and different things will happen at night um, like you know all the lights will turn on in your in your town and people will go to sleep and if you don't have beds for them then they'll, they'll wake up groggy after sleeping on the ground and they won't be as productive the next day um, you know you can see we have some farms in here and yeah. there's, there's like sort of a nice model about if you build your farms in the right place they'll do better because they have access to better soil okay um, so really sort of into sort of hardcore uh, simulation um, and then have, wrap it up in kind of a, a friendly um, you know uh, not fast-paced sort of leisurely paced uh, package it looks like a game that you could literally just sit down have fun creating your town and just kind of watching it play out almost yeah there's an ant farm quality that we were really going for yeah where it's like you can sort of spend as little or as much time as you want planning um, and then just say like go and then watch your little guys like you know build a house or like take a lunch break and all like you know chill out yeah and and eat, eat food yeah, so that's... Now, are there other towns in this world, or is it your town's the only town? Like, is there interaction and trade yeah, yeah. and stuff like that? So or? you are, like, sort of on the frontier. So you're the only town. Okay. But then there are visitors that'll come by, like a traveling caravan that you can trade okay. with. Or there'll be, like, you know, marauding bands of, like, raiders that'll Kinda come like and like to take your stuff. like that were just over on the right-hand side? Well, over there, that's like, hey, Brad, can you, like, scroll over a little bit to, to look at the trappers? Yeah, yeah. So... So this is sort of like a trapping ground that, oh, cool. that we've set up. So like, you know, there are like little traps that are, you know. Yeah, for animals. Yeah, for animals and stuff. So you get to choose like, how do you want to get a food supply? Do you okay. want to focus on like trapping versus gathering versus agriculture? Okay. Yeah, so it's, you know, decisions like that. 
So when you guys say about another year till the full game, now is this already? Yeah, we're out on early access right now, Steam okay. early access. Um, and then of course when you get the early access product, um, you get free updates all the way through you know, the of end course. of the final release. Um, or is it going to be a uh, PC game only then? Uh, PC first. Okay. Um, we will do Mac and Linux. Okay. But you know we're gonna finish off the PC version. First. Of course. Yeah. Awesome. So this looks like a game that you could spend countless hours in. How big's the map? Like is it expansive? Um, um, it's like uh, maybe like say about a square mile. Okay. So it's not like ridiculously large and endless, just because you know it gets uh-huh. kind of expensive. But it's big enough so that you can sort of you can build as much as you want. You can build as much as you want, right? Yeah. Exactly. Holy crap! And we crap. support mining as well. So like you know you have surface. Oh, nice. Yeah, and then if you wanna, if you really wanna build like. Not like a, a town, but kind of like a subterranean cavern. Uh-huh. You can totally do that. It's up to you. That is amazing. So what are we looking at here? This looks like inside of a, on the side of a mountain. Yeah. So in this town, sort of, we got like we've done both, right? Okay. So we have sort of on the foothills, we've got little houses and farms, and then we've dug into the side of the mountain and built all this like you know some storerooms and a, a little dormitory. So yeah, it's sort of a full 3D building. Okay. Awesome. Well, that's a. Uh... Looks like an amazing game, actually. I'd really be into this. So I'm gonna have to check this out. You said it's on Steam Early Access. Yeah, you can find us on Steam Early Access. Just search for Stonehearth. Okay. And our, our development blog is Stonehearth.net, and we do. That's where you'll find links to our Twitch stream, um, and we uh, we do sort of development blog posts once a week. So yeah, we just want to be really open and honest about you know how we're building the game and what's next. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time. Before I get out of here, though, we have one other game to talk about. Right. So our second game. This um, is, does not look like Stonehearth. No. No, this is about as far away from Stonehearth as you can get. <laughs> so this is a uh, PC online 1v1 fighter. Okay. Right? So we've got two uh, game groups working in one studio, and these guys are building um, a fighting game, hardcore fighting game, that's built for PCs. Okay. Right? So one thing that's um, sort of kind of a killer for fighting games on PC and why you see them on consoles is because usually they have sort of complicated inputs. Exactly. You know, quarter circle forward and punch or yeah. stick around. We've taken all of that out and made all of your moves, even the most complicated move in the game, is just one button. Okay. Okay, so really simple controls, um, which lets you get in and have fun right away. Um, but beneath that, there's a really deep, strategic, um, hardcore fighting game. So what what stops a player from going in and just button-mashing their like, ultimate, let's say? Well, that's a great question, right? So, um, so first of all, every move has a strength and a weakness. Okay. Right? So a move may be quick to start, but maybe it doesn't do that much damage, and it has a lot of recovery. So if you just spam it and I block it, you're left wide open and I can counter you. And the thing is about a fighting game is like, there's a whole lot of strategy not involved in, it's not doing the moves that makes you a good player. It's knowing like when to do a move, to trick your opponent or to trap your opponent or put them in a bad situation. And when you make the moves very easy to do, your mind isn't focused so much on, oh, can I like spin the stick or can I like hit this? You go right to thinking about, ooh, when should I do this move? Okay, so it's... it's presenting itself to uh, more strategic players than button mashing players. Right, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, when everything's 
easy to do. It actually takes back the temptation to mash, yeah. right? Because you try mashing right. and you get blown up. Yeah. And you start to be more thoughtful with the game. This is awesome. How many uh, how many fighters are going to be in this game? Uh, <laughs> unlimited, right? So we have six now. Okay. Um, and this is in early alpha. Um, but from our point of view, like the fighting engine is good and solid. Um, and now we're just adding content. So we're working on six more characters, and that'll bring us up to twelve. Okay. And then we'll go six more, and just okay. on and on, right? So we want this to be sort of just an ever-living thing that we continue to add on to. Yeah, I don't think we actually covered the name of this game by chance. Oh, right. This is yeah. Rising Thunder. Rising Thunder. Okay, so now is Rising Thunder on Steam Early Access as well then? Uh, no, we're doing our own uh, download. So we've got our own okay. service. Um, it's uh, free to play, so uh, in, in the best possible way, everything is free. Um, so you can go to risingthunder.com and download the game and play right away. Nice. Awesome. Um, is there anything else you want to say about either one of these titles before we get out of here? Um, I would just say that, like, what we do with all of our games, and this is true for both Rising Thunder and Stoneheart, is we really um, want to engage gamers at a fundamental level. Like, we're wide open with the way that we develop the games because we realize that, you know, the fans of our games have fantastic ideas, and we want to hear from you. Yeah. Um, so both these games, we update, like, at least once a week. Um, you know, if you have an idea, by all means, like, check out the games and talk to us on our forums, and you'll actually get a response. Um, so, <laughs> That's yeah. rare. Well, yeah, I guess. Yeah. We, we, I guess we come from a place from we've been on the outside looking in as, as game fans for a long time uh-huh. and so we know the frustration of like really wanting to talk to the devs and so now that we are devs ourselves it's, it's almost like you know we're running things the way that we would want to see things run yeah. as a pass. That's awesome. And it's been great for us. Like, you know, a lot of the uh, the features that are in Stone Earth and hopefully for Rising Thunder, this will be true too, our ideas directly contributed by fans. Okay. Right? So if you have a great idea, we will put it in the game. That's awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time. We're going to get on out of here, and I'm hoping maybe I can try out one of your games. So awesome. we'll see. Cool. All right. So yeah, that was uh, Stonehearth and Rising Thunder, guys. So Stonehearth was the more like 8-bit-ish uh, style. It kind of looked like Minecraft to start off with, but there was a whole like world built around, and there was villagers. Um, and then like you heard in the in the uh, interview, there's like a whole like trapping community that he had built up that was all out in the woods. And I thought it was raiders and bandits and stuff building, but it's actually uh, a subsection of his own village that uh, is all stationed out in the wilderness. It's trapping animals and collecting uh, flowers and herbs and stuff like that. Uh, He also had built uh, into the side of a mountain a whole entire village. He built a village in, like, next to the water. Um, So, yeah, it was really cool. And Rising Thunder is, like, a fighting game. Think, like, a Street Fighter-esque game with robots that is built uh, strictly around mouse and keyboard uh, PC gaming. So, Cool. Yeah. So I got to check out a mobile game, uh, free-to-play, Magic the Gathering Puzzle Quest. Nice. um, Some of you might be familiar with Puzzle Quest games. They have uh, colored tiles or jewels that you match, uh, three or more, and that affects the gameplay, um, often giving you... uh, power up above to your characters to do some action um in this game when you match um the right color jewels you'll unlock mana for your characters and your deck your creatures um or you'll summon creatures and they will either attack your opponent's creatures or your opponent directly and you and your opponent both have hit points so um you get to build a deck later in the game um i think they start you with one um and then mana that's tapped automatically triggers, so you don't have to worry about 
um, which creature to tap or whatever, it's streamlined for you if you are familiar with Magic the Gathering. So the biggest component as far as strategy is building your deck. Um, you don't have to worry so much about which um, creature to tap or whatever. It just kind of streamlines it. They said they've tried it both ways and it really slowed down the game if they gave the player too many choices. And you start as a level one uh, Planeswalker. There's uh, five to start with. They're possibly adding more later. They're kind of coy about that. Um, but, yeah, it really worked well, the merging of Magic the Gathering and uh, Puzzle Quest. And I think they've got a pretty... They have a lot to draw from, 20 years of Magic. Um, they have all sorts of expansion possibilities. You can buy cards. Um, that's where the free-to-play part comes in. Um, you'll get, you know... You can buy deck, not decks, but uh, packs, and you might get some awesome cards, or you might get some not so awesome cards. Um, but yeah, I played that for a bit. And what did you play next? Um, so the next game I went and played was Party Hard and uh, Punch Out by Tiny mm-hmm. Build. Um, so Tiny Build is the developers of Speedrunners, which is the Family Night Game Night uh, sponsored game. Um, Party Hard is a game where you walk around and you are a mass murderer and you need to take people out and stab them to death at a party. Stab, stab, stab. stab. Um, But you're trying to do it methodically so that nobody sees you and you don't get caught and the cops don't get called. Um, So that was pretty interesting. Uh, And then Punch Out, I believe is the name of the game, or something like that. Uh, I can't remember the exact name of the game right now. Sorry, guys. <clears throat> but it is a same art style as uh, Punch Out or as a uh, Punch as, Club. Uh, yeah, Punch Club. It is the same art style as uh, Party Hard. It's a little bit eight bit ish, and you are a guy who uh, is trying to get by and work out to learn how to fight. Has some pretty hysterical throwbacks to the Ninja Turtles. Um, so I didn't get to really play very much of it. It was a pretty quick demo, but there was that little throwback to the Ninja Turtles, which was like crocodiles dressed up as Ninja Turtles. Um, it was pretty cool. So yeah, that's, uh, that one. And then after that, we went and saw Battleborn. We got to play that demo twice. We just kind of sat there and let the next group of people come in and like, we're going to play again. Yep, exactly. So we went to play Battleborn. That's a cool game. It's like a, uh... A team-based strategy, uh, first-person uh, game. Um, you just basically your third-person view, and you have a team of five, and you just shoot everything that moves in front of you. But and you're trying to move, uh, trying to move your team. Mm-hmm. So throughout this like course, and and everything's trying to yep. kill you. But there's all sorts of different character types. Um, like I was this giant guy with a tiny head and a Gatling gun. You and he danced funny as he ran. Yeah, I got moves. And you played two different characters, but there's like stealth characters that like disappear. Or there's yeah, I played one like guy a long has, range. Has a sword. And I played a close range. Yeah, which was kind of funny in a shooter, but yeah. Yeah, it was kind of weird. So yeah, it was a fun game. Uh, I'm looking forward to trying it out again. Very colorful. Um, a lot of fun. Timmy actually enjoyed that one. So I can see that as being um, a family game for butt smashers. Exactly. So Battleborn guys, we're gonna be checking that out here pretty soon. I'm hoping. So, but I'm getting pretty thirsty, yeah. but before that, Tim, why should they like us and rate us on iTunes? Um, because if you do like us and rate us on iTunes, you won't prick your finger and have it swell up like a giant balloon 
making you explode in the middle of recording a podcast. That, yeah. That would be helpful, wouldn't it? It would be pretty helpful. How's your finger, by the way? It hurts. I don't know what the fuck I did to it. Smash the other one so you're distracted. Yeah, it's like cut. I don't know how I cut. We'll be right so. back. Zach's going to nurse his fingers. We're going to grab some tasty treats. All right, guys. We'll be right back. Yes. Okay. We're back, guys. Tasty treats in hand. Um, what you drinking, Zach? I am drinking Elysian Immortal IPA. <laughs> that sounds familiar. Is that what we had at PAX? It is, actually. We, at the bar we were at, they were serving that, so that's appropriate. Yes, exactly. This is the PAX Prime Wrap-Up Part 1. Elysian Brewing. Brought to you by Elysian Brewing, and specifically their they do actually brew Immortal Seattle. IPA. So. They actually do support us. Yep. So... Yep, they're they're a new backer now, guys. So we're gonna crack this bad boy. Ah, tastes like packs. Awesome. What are you drinking, Tim? Well, I couldn't have planned this any more perfectly. You're drinking a Legion Brewing Mortal Immortal IPA. Nope. Brought to you by PAX 2015. Yep. Taste the brew. Wow, you're taking the sponsorship really seriously. Now, I'm drinking something from Seven Brides Brewing. And in honor of your swollen... Fi- well, we just lost our fucking sponsorship, you dickbag. Well, finish that beer. That's all you get. Right. Anyway, right, in honor of your swollen finger, I am drinking Crooked Finger IPA. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> the valuable reads... When urgent care, safety meetings, and electrical tape can't help you, this will. A pale malt bill provides a base from which local hops smack of lemon and tangelo. Dry hopped without regard to hop safety. The aroma is brisk and citrusy. Cheers to all of us who have put a finger where it didn't belong. Crooked finger IPA. Picture is like a x-ray of a broken finger. It's awesome. Nice. It's a very pale straw-colored IPA. Really? Yeah. What the hell? It's it's definitely a. It looks like Coors Light. That's quite strange. All right, here's to your broken finger. Thank you. It needs it. Hmm. That's good. Sweet. Um, seventy IBUs, but it tastes like less, honestly. So it's nice. All right, so. Here's the part we've been dreading. Um, we got a 
really great interview with uh, Motiga Games uh, for their game Gigantic, which we enjoyed um, the demo a lot. And um, we had a really good interview with one of the developers. And I don't know what happened with our recording. We got invaded by Pixels, guys. Yeah. And they decided they are going to fuck with our it audio. It does sound like Space Invaders are like dropping bombs periodically through um, the interview. And we talked about what we could do. We tried to edit it, but... When we edit it, you couldn't hear the audio, like the speaking anymore. So anyway, we got a great interview. Um, you can still hear through the beeps and boops. Just pretend you were, were under, beep, 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 pretend we're under attack by like space beep, invaders while we're interviewing. Uh, beep, beep, beep. They're gonna hear that later. We don't need more of that now, right? Beep, beep. All right. So without further ado, let's uh, play gigantic. gigantic. By um, starting out by introducing yourself. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, my name is Carter McBee. I'm a gameplay designer on Gigantic for Motuga. Okay. And um, why don't you just give us a really quick rundown? Um, we'll probably be attaching a trailer to the video game to this all as well. But okay. uh, give us a rundown on the game. Yeah, so the game is a 5-on-5 five five, uh, competitive PvP action game. Um, we're uh, theming it a shooter MOBA, but um, really it's, it's at its core it's an action game. So um, it's third person. Um, it's five on five, like I said, and each uh, each player chooses a unique hero uh, each game. And then uh, on each team, there's also a giant uh, creature called the Guardian, who's like your giant boss creature, and that's the main objective of the game as well. So um, your your goal as a team is to kill the other team's Guardian before they kill yours. Okay. Um, what? Would you guys say it inspired you the most to make this game, or what was the reasoning behind making this game? Or what was your number one goal? Yeah, um, yeah. Your so, statement. yep. Uh, so that one's pretty easy, actually. Um, all we wanted to do when we set out to make this game was make a great competitive game. Okay. Um, so you know, a lot of games start out as like we're going to be this, we're going to be that. So you know, there was no label that we attached it to. It's like it wasn't like like okay, well let's make a MOBA. The invasion has started. It was like everyone duck. We're just going to make a fun, competitive game, and that's really where it started. Um, the core concept of having the uh, the giant bosses the on each team, yep, the Guardians, um, was there from the very start, and then we kind of built around that and just something that was yeah. easy to pick up and play, but had a lot of depth to it. Yeah, so the Guardians is a whole new aspect to the gaming realm that you don't really see in other competitive games that at least I've ever played. I've never really seen a huge AI. Usually the home base is not, yeah. not mobile. It's yeah, <laughs> home base usually is not moving around trying exactly. to kill the other mobile base. Yeah, yeah, and that's what we wanted to do is is to give you that connection to your Guardian as a player um, so it's not just like, well, this is the objective. I hope it doesn't die because that means we lose. But it's more of like he's another team member. Yeah. She um, is another team member. So it's really, it's almost like it's six on six but one of them is a giant yeah. boss AI creature. Um, so, uh, you know, and that really plays into a lot of the moment-to-moment gameplay, um, in addition to it being the main objective. Like, you'll see it be really active on the map. Mm-hmm. You know, when it rampages across to knock the other Guardian over, you'll see it uh, ah, in the terrain a little bit, so it'll knock over giant uh, columns and pillars and kind of change the battlefield a little oh, bit. Oh, nice. Um, so, yeah... Like at the start of the at the start of the match, the map is a little more intact, and then as the match goes on and on, 
things start getting destroyed a little bit more and it opens up new areas, new paths, new paths and, yeah, before it get blocked. Exactly. Yeah, I started exactly. realizing that. I was like, no, I swear to God, I've been here before. But yeah, yeah. Now, and that's, so. that's something that, it, you know, it sometimes takes a few games to really realize what's going on yeah. just because there's so much action going yeah. on. But, but that's where I talked about with the depth of the game. So at first... You might not even notice that, but yeah. then, like, your second or third game, you're like, wait a second, I thought this was blocked up. Now I can go, oh, that's cool. Yeah. You know? And so um, that's where the depth of the of the game comes in. So what's your guys' main classes? So I just got done playing, uh, is his name Ronald, the shotgun guy? Oh, uh, Roland. Roland. Okay, yes. so I just got done playing Roland, um, and he's more of, like, a mid-range, blunderbust uh, type of character. Yep. Um, so you guys obviously have rifles, you have long range, short range, um, what are some of the other classes and special perks that you would want to point out? Yeah, so, um, as far as classes go, you know, we don't really have what we would call classes, like each okay. character is completely different oh, nice. and unique. So, you know, there are characters that are, that play like a shooter, okay. um, so, but it's not really a class, it's just that's how they play. Okay. Um, and there are characters who, uh, are only melee. Like the Margrave, that big uh, black yeah. tank, tank-looking guy with the demon fist. That's um, yeah, so he doesn't have any ranged abilities at all. And uh, right below him on that on that little page that we're looking at is uh, Imani, who is a sniper character, and she mm-hmm. plays pretty much like a sniper. She has no melee a- attacks. You know? Okay. So we put these put these different uh, playstyles into the same game, into the same arena, and uh, and basically build around that. So it makes it pretty accessible to all different types of players. Yeah, exactly. Really what like. we try to do is is represent uh, different play styles, different gaming backgrounds mm-hmm. in our heroes. So, you know, if you come from a shooting background, like, hey, I like to play snipers. Like, there's your character. Yeah. Uh, hey, I like to just kind of run and gun. They have that robot, HK-206. Nice. He's all about uh, being basically a mobile turret okay. um, who can run around just uh, barrage bullets. He's got a mortar. He's got a rail gun. Holy he's got crap. the ability to uh, fortify himself, which uh, locks him down in place, gives him a bunch of extra armor, and literally turns him into a turret. Nice. Um, so, you know, and all these characters, uh, they play very differently from each other. So, you know, you can be you can be good with all of them, of course, because the controls are all, mm-hmm. all are all pretty much the same, but how they play is very different. Um, and, you know, there are some characters like Zenobia, who is more of a control-type character. She plays more like an RPG character, so it's uh, less about twitch aiming and more about when do I want to use my skills, where do I want to use them, as opposed to, you know, like her, her main attack is a beam attack, which is actually fairly easy to lock onto someone, but uh, it doesn't do much damage, so you have to use your other abilities to kind of get that damage and the control and uh, to help your teammate now look, out that way. I'm looking up there and I'm seeing Aisling? Osling? <laughs> Ashlyn, yeah. Ashlyn? Okay. Yeah. So, I didn't see her on the board anywhere. Uh, she was I? in there. Was she? Yep. Okay, so what is she? She looks like she has a guardian behind her by herself. Exactly, yeah. So she is actually um, almost like a, a pet class from a, from an MMO, but, okay. but uh, she plays, so she's got her, um, that's actually her the ghost of her father okay. that she summons on the battlefield. Oh, nice. So she summons him from her sword, okay. that giant sword that she has. Uh-huh. Uh, she casts him out, and then he basically fights for her, and then she can recall him into the, the blade and do more uh, damage, damage that way, or kind of uh-huh. use her. So she's got the kind of a hybrid pet class type deal. That's there. really cool. 
Um, and Wu, now he just got released, right? Uh, yeah, he's one of our newer characters, yep. Okay. Yeah, um, he's uh, he's all about uh, one-on-one combat, pretty much. Busy. So he's, uh, he's kind of a martial arts type character, but all of his uh, attacks are kind of... He's what we call a fighting game-inspired character, okay. because all, he's all about comboing his abilities. So if you just go up and use your left mouse and just punch people, he's okay. He doesn't yeah. do that much damage. But um, if you actually combo your abilities, so you use your, your Q ability, which is a slide forward and kick, and then, you know, he's got a lot of upgrades that make it so you can say, like, okay, after you use this ability, when you use this ability, it does more damage. And so he's all about uh, uh, interesting combos, and it depends on how you build him. But, but yeah, that's what he's all about. Okay, and you mentioned uh, upgrades in that last little piece. Um, mm-hmm. So this game is a little bit different from the standard MOBA uh, or 5v5 games where you don't actually collect coins or right. anything like that. You upgrade per level. Right. Yeah, there's no currency, uh, in-game currency. Um, it's all about um, game experience and in-game level. So you started at level 1. <clears throat> the max level is 10, and each level you gain one uh, skill upgrade to use. Okay. But, um, you know, unlike uh, traditional MOBA games, it's not just like, hey make this skill a little better. Mm-hmm. It actually changes uh, how the skill works. Yeah. Um, so, Cause for I know example... When, I know when I was playing Roland, I had to be pretty close, and then I got the blunder, or the the left mouse button yep. upgrade, and I could shoot further, and then I got it again, and I could shoot even further, and it was more accurate. Exactly, yep. So. Yeah, and that's an example of how you can build the character um, to how you want to play, but also... Um, it's not just about how you want to play, it's about adapting to what your uh, enemy is doing. So if the enemy had a bunch of um, squishy but in-your-face type characters, like uh, the Trip or uh, Taito the Swift, who are, who are about getting in your face, but they don't have a lot of health, you can pick the upgrades that do more shotgun-like upgrades okay. and, and kind of spec him that way. Uh, whereas if you're kind of dealing with the mid, mid to long range, you might want to take that branch that you took. Um, so it's play style, it's also adapting to, to what the enemy is doing, and it's also just the conditions of the game. Okay, and do you guys have, we were just talking before, but uh, we weren't recording, so why don't you go ahead and let us know what platforms you guys are going to be releasing this t- uh, game on? Um, yeah, so it's going to be Windows 10 and Xbox One. It's actually uh, in closed beta right now, started yesterday, okay. which you can sign up for on our website at dogigantic.com. Will those player bases be able to play with you? Uh, yeah, we will support uh, cross-platform play. We're still working out the details um, on exactly what that means. Okay. Um, you know, we've been talking about um, the fact that it's an uh, opt-in thing, mm-hmm. so that you know, like people who are on a controller and don't want to face people who are on keyboard and yeah. mouse don't have to. Okay. Uh, but we're still working out exactly what that means because it's a little bit of uncharted territory for a competitive game. Yeah. So, But we want to make sure that we don't do the players a disservice and put them into a situation that they don't want to be in. But uh, the encouraging thing is the game is exactly the same on both. I was going to say, he was playing on the gamepad and was playing... I mean, okay. I, yeah. I just, I just didn't that game, but yeah. yeah. I, it was fun. It was fast-paced. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, but yeah, it works the same with either uh, input device you want to play with. So it's yeah, it's more of a it's more of a first first reference, especially since uh, you know uh, it already supports controller on PC. 
Unity, and uh, pretty soon uh, the Xbox One is going to uh, support keyboard and mouse. So mm-hmm. it really is prepping. So now we've been talking about game development, but we really haven't touched any, on any of the art style for it. And you're yeah. also the lead designer, or one of the design team members, yep. correct? Yep. So what inspired you guys um, to come up with this type of art style for this type of game? Yeah, the art style uh, is something that we established uh, pretty early on, but really it came down to, um, first of all, we have great artists, uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, that's kind of their background, is just like, that's that's what they like, um, and that's what we like uh, as a company, uh, but but really the, the super stylized um, uh, art style that we have allows us to push the designs of each character basically as far as we need them to go. Okay. So what we wanted to do, especially with the, the character design, is um, really marry the, uh, the art with um, how, the, how the character is played. Okay. So, you know, when you look at a character, we want you to be like, oh, well, I know what that guy's going to do. Yeah. Uh, just based on how he looks. Like, if you look at Lord Gnosis, um, the big bull-looking he, guy, he like, you know that guy's going to get in your face yeah. and beat you. Yeah. And that's what he does. He's a bruiser. <laughs> He's all about getting in your face and, and hitting you. Um, and then, you know, if you look at Trip, the, the assassin character, like, you know she's going to be shifty, but Quite. not have a lot of health, yeah. but stab you in the back. And that's what she does. Okay. And so, you know, the art style really marries well with the gameplay. And uh, what we really wanted was from the art style was something fun, mm-hmm. just fun to look at. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if, even if you didn't play the game, if you're just standing behind someone watching, it's fun to watch. And that's uh, really one of the strengths of, of the art that we have. I think uh, charming is the word that we use a lot. It's very vibrant. It's yeah. very, yeah, and it's very detailed. Yep. So, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's much fun to watch as you play. So, is there anything else that you would like to mention about the game? A possible release date that you guys are shooting for? Um, yeah, just to just to reiterate, um, we started closed beta yesterday, so it's available for closed beta right now on Windows 10 and Xbox One. You can sign up for that on our website, gogigantic.com. Um, we'll be entering open beta. Um, we don't have a date for it yet, but it'll probably be sometime early next year, and then release sometime after that. Um, but really, if you want to play, go to our website, gogigantic.com, and sign up. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you very much for all your guys' time. Thanks for all the hospitality you guys have shown us here. Yeah. And uh, we're looking forward to playing it. So. Yeah, well, thanks for checking it out. Awesome, thanks. Thank you. Pixels has invaded the Plug and Play podcast. Damn, damn. Stupid space. Damn fucking Adam Sandler. Yeah, let's blame Adam Sandler for that. Yep. We blame him for everything else. Well. So, that's Gigantic, guys. That game was... Awesome, fun. I played it last year at PAX um, and had a blast with it. Yeah, very fast-paced. Um, but they're right. The train does change as you play, which is yeah, awesome. Yeah, the Guardian smash down things, so. and there's new routes, and old routes get buried. and It's yeah. cool. It's very, very I cool. enjoyed playing a MOBA, so that says something. Yep, exactly. So after that, after Gigantic, you went over and played something else. Yes, Valhalla. Um it is um, kind of a visual novel style game, but there's like drink mixing, so there's definitely more action than a, just a normal visual novel. Um, you are a bartender, a cyberpunk bartender in the future, and um, different people come to your bar, and you have to try to figure out what drink will suit them the best. 
um, and they will, you know, be happy or unhappy with your um, with your choice. And not only that, but the drink you serve them will affect what happens to them, which will affect other people. Um, for example, the very first person you su- serve is like um, I can't remember her name, but she's like an on-air personality. Like she displays like everything in her life, and she's like. I'm not taking off my top today, so you have to do something interesting. Make me a drink. And like, uh, okay, um, why aren't you taking off your top again? And there's adult humor in this game if you haven't figured it out already. Um, so you make her a drink that like loosens her inhibitions, and she starts talking trash, and it's funny. Um, got a quirky sense of humor. Like, you're talking about crazy stuff that's happened in the bar. Apparently there was a corgi convention, little dogs, all dressed in uh, tuxedos last week. Um, I'm hoping they stop by, because that would be awesome. The art style is very 8 or 16-bit. Um, it will be available on Steam and Vita. And let's go ahead and play the audio ahead with the developer. All right. We're here at the uh, Seabird Games uh, booth. Um, we're going to be checking out Cyberpunk Bartender um, Action Valhalla. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so uh, like I say, it's on the can. Well, what does Cyberpunk Bartending Action mean? It's basically... You know, Imagine a world where it's like Cheers, but in the dystopian version of it. You've got a cast of uh, regulars in your bar, and you're trying to deal with, uh, as they come in, you, you, and they unwind, and they want to talk to you about your day. You try and suss out what sort of drink they, they're asking for, and whether their mood really sort of uh, gives a sense that they want the drink that they're asking for, or maybe I should experiment and serve them something else. And every drink that you make is a decision. Like, if you serve them what they want, make them happy, you, you'll take the story in one direction. Uh, you could also choose to, well, to choose to, to mess around with them and serve them something else entirely. Like it might be a case where uh, you have a client who's who's uh, driving tonight, and he says, "I don't really want a strong drink," but um, you sense that he does, or you maybe just want to mess around with him instead. So you said you serve the strongest thing you have, and the next uh, later tonight, he crashes his car, which will because this is a, a small community of regulars. They, you know, everyone's starts getting becoming friends with each other. So they're like, "Why did you do that, that guy, man?" So it'll affect your reputation. It affects your reputation. Choices like that will be risky. And exactly. So, I mean, a completionist may want to see, will probably want to see all the different branches of the story, but uh, I mean, people will want to think about, uh, you know, the ramifications of each uh, drink that they make because uh, some somehow obviously have bigger effects than others. But we want to encourage everyone to get to know their regular, like the, the, the clients who show up in the story and to, um, you know, have, relax and have fun, really, at the end of the day. I just wanted to briefly mention the art style, which looks kind of like a late 90s kind of anime. Right, um, so lots of the influences from, like, uh, I mean, from anything from uh, major cyberpunk uh, hallmarks like Blade Runner, Ghost in the Shell, but also stuff like Bubblegum Crisis. Very cool, so, yes. yeah. Um, yeah, so... And then it's uh, Vita and PlayStation 4, or, um, or just Vita? Uh, Steam, so PC and Mac, and... Uh, yeah, PS Vita as well. We're we're exploring not PS4, PS4 yet. Not, not well, as not, a Vita owner, I'm excited for that. Awesome, awesome. So, thank you. And uh, yeah, we, we the devs are actually based in Venezuela, and okay. like so a lot of uh, what you're dealing with in terms of uh, you know Venezuela has a bit of a messy so civil civil uh, issues going on in this in, in society. So um, a lot of the everyday challenges in in experienced by the devs in their lives, like you know. 
just luck. Some days, some some days there won't be electricity straight, or it's hard. You walk in the supermarket and there's nothing to, to, to buy. Things that we're not used to in a normal first world country. I think you can see a lot of these influences popping up in the problems that the clients share with you. So. Cool. Interesting flavor to the game too. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I look yeah. forward to playing it. Thank you. So Valhalla. What did you play next, Zach? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> After Valhalla, I went and played, or I didn't go actually play oh, okay. anything. I went to a Killing Floor 2 panel. Um, <laughs> I heard you sat on a grenade. I sat on a grenade. And uh, the panel was interesting. It was all about Killing Floor 2, uh, their major patch. It's actually released today. Um, and the new physics and everything like that, and I had an interview with them, so I'm going to go ahead and roll that audio. Alright, so I'm here with Mike and David. No, I'm David, this is oh, Bill. Bill. Alright, so... Yeah, I fucked uh, up. Like yeah, exactly, right? So you guys are on the uh, Tripwire team for Killing Floor 2, um, so why don't you guys first off by explaining what you guys do with uh, Tripwire. So, uh, Spill Monk, I'm creative director, and I also uh, do a lot of uh, design work and uh, animation. Okay. Uh, animation's my passion, so a lot of the stuff with, like, you know, how the guns shoot and, and animate and mm-hmm. all those things, how the Zeds move, awesome. those are the things I really get my, okay. my kicks off. Sweet. And what do you do? My name is David Hensley. I'm the art director. I also work on game design at Tripwire, and uh, I work on the gore system, so I design the meat system. Nice. For killing those Fox awesome too. intestines that we saw flying across the screen. Yeah, Sweet. I, I worked on those intestines. Awesome. <laughs> so, um, where do you guys come up with your guys' creative uh, design behind what the weapons can do, what the effects on the Zeds are, um, and so on and so forth with the weapon schemes? I think, well, for, for the weapons first, our company's kind of known for making really realistic, mm-hmm. really awesome feeling weapons. And we kind of start with the base of that. And then for Killing Floor 2, it's about taking our really cool weapon pipeline from Red Orchestra 2 and streamlining it, making it a lot more user-friendly. And it's all about just feeling really good, like great feeling of a weapon. Okay. Yeah, and we always try to, whenever we're working on it and, you know, all the systems as far as, like, you know, shooting Zeds in different spots and how they react to it, uh, whenever you kill a Zed, uh, how it looks and how it makes you feel is the reward you get for it. Mm-hmm. So we put a lot of time into making that really gratifying because it's something that you're doing over and over and over and over and over. And over, and over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so then the gore system, Yeah. that's yours. So uh, well, a lot of people worked on it, but I, I was kind of the, uh, I guess, gatekeeper or whatever. I designed it and kind of saw it through the process. So you figured out how to actually make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> so I heard a lot of people. I didn't get to play it before the patch, um, which we're gonna talk about here in a second. But I've heard a lot of people after the panel we just got out of saying that there was a lot added to it, a lot more detail, a lot more into the gore system. Um, yeah, the, the biggest addition to the gore system, or we also call it the meat system, and this new update is the NVIDIA Flex uh, graphic effect that we added. It's a particle-based uh, unified simulation, so you have rigid bodies, uh, which for us is skull chunks. Uh, you have soft bodies, which for us is intestines and brain chunks and stuff like that. Yeah. 
and then you have fluid particles and they all can interact with each other okay so you can have like skulls and brains floating in blood and bumping into each other and stuff like that awesome so what are some of the other uh new features you guys have just put in or uh new items you guys have just implemented Oh, so, uh, well, we have, um, we've added two new perks. Okay. And uh, each perk has four primary weapons and a, a backup knife. Uh, and a grenade. Custom grenade. Okay. Um, we completely reworked the Berserker perk. Uh, it was one of those things where the, the way we designed it out didn't really flow out the way we liked and the community didn't like it, so we completely built it from the ground up. Okay. Um, we've made improvements on the parry system. We've act, uh, we've added new uh, type of attack for every melee weapon. It's a bash attack. Okay. So weapons that can stab will stab, so it kind of gives you that long, single-range piercing damage. And then weapons that are, are, are bigger, like our pulverizer, which is like a huge sledgehammer, okay. you can actually push a group of Zeds away from you. Oh, that's awesome. So it has different types of utility. On, so it adds a whole new level to, to a whole new play com- feature. combat in the, the Zeds. Uh, we've also added uh, resistance and vulnerability on each Zed, so there's it's not just generically the head. Okay. There's other zones that could be resistant or vulnerable. For instance, the Flesh Pound, who's our big mini-boss, he's got these huge mallets, and they're metal, okay. and he's got this center power core in his chest, and if you shoot the power core, you can stumble him back, he takes extra damage, but when he gets real pissed off and rages, he covers that, he protects it with his mallets. So the, it just adds a whole nother level to the game. And, okay. um, it's more strategy with the combat that way. Yeah. Okay. It's also visual. When you shoot metal, blood doesn't squirt out of it anymore. Yeah. Uh, you know, sparks fly off of it. Okay. And, uh, Facts, yeah. and also, like, the husk, uh, if you can flank him and shoot him in the backpack, he'll explode. Oh, sweet. There's a lot more strategy with individual yeah. dead encounters. And when he explodes, he'll actually take out other Zeds with him or you. Okay. So you got to be, you got to be, you know, you got to be out of range of it. Okay. Um, So, we haven't really touched on multiplayer at all. Um, That's basically what this game is designed around, correct? Is playing as a team? Yeah, the game is all about multiplayer. Like, you can play solo. Okay. We we have been working on solo balance a little bit, but Killing Floor 2 is all about six-player co-op. Okay. Playing with your friends, trying to survive, fighting hordes of monsters. Awesome. And this is available on which platforms then? PC on Steam. PC and Steam right now? Yep. Yep. Okay. Are you guys going to be going the Windows or Xbox One or PlayStation possibly? We are working on a PS4 version. Okay. Um, but we have we have no uh, plans to bring it on Xbox One right now. Okay. Sounds good. But it could happen have, in the future. Yeah. Do you guys have anything else you guys would want to add about the game before we wrap up the chat uh, session? I mean, just, uh, you know, um, I know that uh, there was a, a large group of people that, that felt like uh, they were frustrated on the amount of time it took for the uh, for the update to come out. But this new update is huge. I mean, our changelog list is over nine pages is long i mean we have you know so i think it's one of those things where like the wait was hard but now that it's here yeah everyone can see it it's out september 1st everyone can play it anyone who's uh, interested can opt into the beta right now okay um yeah, yeah. There's, a lot, there's a lot more content now there's more content now than when we released kf1 as its full version yep. we're still in early access so. okay and what's it gonna be retailing for guys $29.99. Okay. So you guys, they can find the beta right now, or they can opt into the beta right now. Oh, well, so you have to own the game. Okay, you have to own the game, which but is $29.99. We, yeah, and okay. then we have the, the beta that you can opt in okay. to play the new update oh, the now. the new update. But it goes live for everyone September 1st. Okay, sweet. Sounds good. Well, thank you guys for taking the time out of your guys' day. Absolutely, and, thank uh, you. we will be in touch. All right. All right.
Thanks, guys. Thanks, Ben. So, guys, I uh, fucked up with their names in the beginning of that, but that's cool. There's some nice guys over there. Uh, the rest of their team uh, actually was surrounding us as we were talking, and they were uh, they were shaking their heads in acknowledgement and smiling when I was asking questions, and uh, they uh, they were pretty interested in it. So, uh, they're a cool team over there. Uh, you know, I'm not a Killing Floor 2 fan. I haven't actually played it. They did give me a Steam code to try it out since I had never played it before. Um, and I look forward to playing it. They, we saw some of the video there um, during the press conference uh, panel, I should say. And uh, it looked fun. So I'm going to give cool. that a shot here. Yeah, so what did you uh, see after I was done uh, wiping the floor with blood chest, and guts and brain matter? And all I was one. playing um, kind yeah. of a quirky RPG called Y2K. Yeah, my, my game would have made your game be the brain matter all over the Yeah, floor. unless I cast a spell to block it or something. Um, this game yeah, was very, um, it reminded me, like, the humor and some of the spell attacks reminded me of Earthbound, which for me is a good thing. But I will let the uh, publisher go ahead and describe Y2K for you all. So the next title we're playing is uh, Y2K, a postmodern RPG. And I don't know much about this title other than it looks really quirky and looks like it has a sense of humor. So, um... Why are we calling Y2K a postmodern RPG? In, our, in the general sense, we we use that because uh, I mean, when you think of postmodern, you think uh, Salvador Dali, or if you if you if you're into novels, you one of our big inspirations is the writer Haruki Murakami. So uh, what that tends to do, or what these uh, artists tend to do, is that they are, they are, their subject matter is kind of, is still rooted in the real world, but you, in a very uh, the things that you find in it often are ridiculous and wacky. Satirical or yeah, almost to the point. Yeah, the soul is right. So you have, in the in white two K, you you you're it, the the root of the game is actually that you're you're uh, you're the protagonist is uh, Alex. He's a fresh college graduate and just returning from from college back to his hometown. And he's sort of discovered this uh, message board back. This is the year. Uh, I was going to ask if it's back in the year 2000 or 1999. Just just before to the uh, basically late the late 90s, and he's discovered this message board. You know, this is back in the days where it's Usenet and right. and creepypasta legends are still popping Dialogue up. modems, all that fun stuff. And exactly. So he's discovered a message board called Onism 99, okay. which is uh, 1999, which is like uh, full of urban legends, and discovers this um, uh, uh, story about a girl that disappeared in an elevator, and, and him and a bunch of uh, other strangers, uh, seven other strangers actually, form up the party in the game. They become really fascinated with uh, what is what what happened to this girl that disappeared, and sort of follow this rabbit hole into uh, uh, some really really surreal. Uh, uh, Occurrences as they investigate, uh, you know, various clues that about the disappearance. So yeah, that, so that's sort of like the. Is it sort of a turn-based RPG style? It game is. Or? It is. So there are mechanically there are influences uh, uh, from Earthbound. I mean, both mechanically. I, the involved. humor reminded me of Earthbound. The, the screenshots right. I saw. I, yeah. I was wondering if you bring that up. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, it, we, Which makes me very interested in it. The team wears its Earthbound uh, influences on its sleeve nice. and awesome. a bit of influence from uh, Persona as well, as, and just the 
just kind of the day-to-day, -day, like high school type interactions up in Persona? Uh, no, or not, not a, so much. Not as deep, but not not not, not that's to the level of more, more of an influence. Just sort of that, that the weirdness and the the soul. I mean, the the soul systems. I mean, I, that, there's that, and also the. Mechanics I borrow a lot from Super Mario RPG. Oh, so wow. with every attack or magic spell, you kind of have like a little mini game that you play. It's oh, so anything you have to from tap yeah. A at the right time or whatever. Yeah, so some rhythm mini games and some like there's even one of the characters, Bella, has a spell where when you try to cast it, uh, it pops up a, like a pixel art mini game where you have to throw like uh, a bomb that looks like a guitar amp at, at like the enemy. So it's it's very. That it sounds it, very fun. It is. It's all. It's just a lot of quirkiness and weirdness in a good way. And what platforms will this be releasing on? Um, this will be for uh, a lot of things. Steam, of course. Um, PS4, Wii U, PS Vita. Oh, excellent. And, yep. And we we're figuring out an Xbox release. So for those for now, though. But Wii probably U, the, the major releases in the beginning will be Steam and PS4. And uh, release date or tentative release month or period? We're looking at uh, late January, early February sort of release. Good. Yep. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, um, so I didn't know too much about this going in, but I am definitely interested now. Um, this is my type of game, and I think a couple of the editors on our site will be interested in it as well. Um, yeah, that was Dragonfin, or no, sorry, that was Y2K. Dra yeah, was Dragonfin yes. Soup is the next game here. Uh, we went and saw, we went and mm -hmm. saw that together, um, and it's uh, it's a amazingly awesome, tasty treat packed twist on a mm -hmm. child's tale. So I'm going to let them describe it. All right, so we're here at Dragonfin Soup with... David. And uh, tell us about your game, please. So this is Dragonfin Soup. It's an RPG with a lot of roguelike elements to it. It's turn-based, but it plays very fluidly, very quick-paced. So our main character is Red Robin. It's kind of our take on Little Red Riding Hood, but she's a raging alcoholic bounty hunter with a large shotgun and a dark past. Okay. I heard your character won an award today, actually. Yeah, she won, what was it, Best Female Hero? Badass or something. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> she did look pretty badass, I'm not gonna lie. She's very badass. So we have three different game modes. We have a story mode, which is more like a traditional RPG, okay. like big epic quest, a bunch of side missions. Then we have survival mode, which is more akin to a traditional roguelike. So it's just you're kind of thrown into the world, it's randomly generated, go, permadeath. Okay. Uh, and then Endless Labyrinth is more like a high score chasing mode. Okay. So you try to beat all your friends' highest scores. And will this be out on uh, Steam and uh, what other platforms will be out? Yeah, so it'll be coming out on PlayStation's 3, 4, Vita, and then it'll be on Windows, Mac, Linux, and iOS and Android. Nice. That's awesome. Okay. And uh, I went and saw, um, actually played the demo for Just Cause over at Square Enix. And I also saw the first part of a panel about the destructibility of the environments, which was very interesting. Um, those two tied well together because um, the demo I got to play was standing on a platform with a rocket launcher and just blowing up stuff um, in like a two-minute timer. That was a very short demo. Um, that's all that you did. Um, but the destruction is awesome. Like, they put a lot of... I think that was the Havoc engine they were using. Uh, and, okay, yeah, uh, yeah. the particles for when things blow up, like, look really realistic. Things fall the way you would think they would. Um, pieces break off and hit other pieces. Um, the, yeah, the, when, when stuff blows up, it looks freaking awesome. 
So um, I'll be looking forward to that for sure. And then we both we both Sweet. checked out uh, Lords of London, um, but you saw it first and actually dragged me over. So I'll let you talk about that one. You mean Lords of yes, New York? Yes, I mean Lords of New York. Why did I write that? I don't know. Lords of New York. Wrong continent, Tim. <laughs> Good fucking job, Tasty Tim. in effect. Sorry, Lords of, Lords of New York. Yep. Yep. So, Lords of New York is a, uh episodic game uh, that plays a lot kind of like a mm-hmm. story game. So, it is very cinematic. Um, amazing actors. Yeah, the voice uh, actors. Voice actors. Awesome. Yeah, and the graphics and the way that it plays looks right. beautiful. Um, actually, we got to sit down with the developer of it, and it's actually him and his family are the mm-hmm. ones who created it. And uh, they all worked in AAA industry somewhere along the lines and decided that they that wasn't for them. They wanted to do something that would benefit their family, and they started a company together. Uh, so he actually set out three years ago and designed his own software to make okay. video games and is designing this game off of it. And his software he showed us looked Easy enough to where I could be able to go dabble and play around with it and have it was fun. more like an animation um, software more than anything. Uh, exactly, and it was beautifully done. It was easy to understand. I knew what was going to happen when he was mm-hmm. clicking on stuff, um, and it was beautiful. It was easy to use, but that's not the game, guys. Lords of New York is the actual game. It is based on a gentleman in the 1920s, I believe it is. Uh, 20s or 30s, one or the other. Yeah, one or the other. Um, it's based around the mafia era and there's a gentleman who gets locked up. You're je- you play as a gentleman who's locked up in prison and you have to learn how to play poker to get your way within prison and throughout the world and, uh, work your way up and out of the problems that you are in. So it's actually like a poker simulator with a huge storyline that's wrapped all around it. And it was a lot of fun. You can do things like intimidate your, uh, other poker player at the table you can glare at them. Um, there's a bunch of mechanisms for cheating, and as you go, more cheating mechanisms get unlocked. So yeah, that w- that was actually the very last thing we saw for yep. Saturday. And I'm glad we broke this up because that's only half of the days um, of PAX, and we and we are already right, at an so hour and a half. So we will uh, bid you adieu soon, but we've got to ask you a question first. Um, today, which we are recording, is is Tuesday, and Metal Gear Solid Five Day. That's all anyone is talking about on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. MGS Five, MGS Five. Zach and I are like, okay, this kind of cool, but we just don't really care so much. So we're just wondering, um, you, the listeners, are you on the hype train for Metal Gear Solid Five? Let us know. Because we did not get on that train. That train, like, we saw it coming, and we were like, man, keep going. We were on the PAX yes. choo-choo, and you were on the Metal Gear Solid Five choo-choo. We want to know, did you jump on the train? So, that's this yep, week's question, know. guys. Are you excited, and did you jump on the hype train for MGS5? What did you say? Screw you, Konami. You're a bunch of evil, you're a bunch of evil Exactly. Bastards. I'm not going to work on your Palenko machine, you asshole yeah, company. You. I, I won't be a janitor for your freaking no. gyms. So... Anyways, guys, until next week on episode 58, where we conclude the PAX Prime Special. Don't forget to prime 
and shine. Dude, I'm so fucking exhausted from packs. I'm ready to go to bed. Alright, good night, dude. Good night.